John 21, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. We thank you, Lord, for your word today, and we thank you for the promises of your word, the challenges of your word, and um, Lord, that we can walk according to your word and understand your ways, Lord. We pray that you would teach us your ways today, and you draw us closer to you, God. We continue to pray for those who are sick and hurting, Lord, we pray uh, for our brother Greg, we thank you for a good report that his lungs are healing a little bit. And we pray, God, that you would continue to heal him. Lord, that we all as a body, as we've been praying so earnestly, would just have this opportunity to celebrate. Lord, we pray for Beth Hudson with kidney cancer. And we pray, God, for the surgery tomorrow, that it would go well. Lord, we, we thank you for the things that you've done already in getting this appointment to happen so quickly. And Lord, we pray that everything goes well with the surgery, with the recovery. Um, Lord, we pray for Ken and the girls in the waiting. Um, God, that you would just strengthen them. Bless us, Lord, now and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Good morning once again. Great to be together and see you all today. You know, I was thinking about, um, obviously, the storm that was coming, as we all were thinking about the storm that was coming. And as the snow hits and can we get, you know, are we, are we going to be able to have church? Should we have church? Are we going to be able to get the parking lot cleared and all of that? And then I thought of the last couple of weeks that I had referenced specifically in our friend Thomas in the scriptures that he had forsaken the assembling of the brethren, right? And I thought, oh man, we got to have church because we can't forsake the assembling of the brethren, right? So we got to work and we got the parking lot cleared, Amen. So God is good, and I'm, I'm just so grateful that we can be together. 
you know? And, and that's really what it's about, is, is coming together that we could encourage one another, be a blessing to one another, have this fellowship. And worshiping together is far better than worshiping alone. And studying the Word of God together is, is a great opportunity. So uh, we're blessed to do that today. And it doesn't end here. We have more fellowship later today, and we encourage you guys to join us for that time over at Keswick uh, for fun and games, and then, of course, a baptism. And if you have not been baptized, you can be baptized today. You don't have to, you know, even if you didn't, you know, tell us before, just come and be baptized, walking in that obedience and making that uh, public profession of your faith uh, to the body here. We encourage you. It'll be a great time. Uh, so in John chapter 21, we continue our study here and almost done. Next week, we're going to finish the gospel of John. Um, so as we come to this point in John chapter 21, we're reminded of what has taken place so far. Jesus has been in a process of restoring his disciples. And we talked about last week, even specifically the restoration of Peter in relationship with Jesus. And, and last week was a little more focused on that relational restoration. This week is going to be more focused on the restoration to ministry and a specific call on Peter's life that Jesus makes very clear to him. Uh, so, and remember this, and this, we, we don't want to forget that Peter previously had denied Jesus three times and then ran away after he promised he would not, after he promised, I was, I'm going to fight for you, Jesus, I'm going to die for you, Jesus, and then he denied Jesus and ran away in shame. And that's kind of the, the reminder that we want to hold on to as we look into this text today. That's who Peter was. That's the life that he lived Right here and now, that's what he was still holding on to. And so verse 15, as we begin, when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. So first of all, it's after breakfast. And last week we talked about, the, the get the scene if you haven't been with us, what has taken place. The disciples, several of them went to go fishing and they toiled through the night working in their own strength and came up completely empty. But when Jesus said, cast your nets to the other side and now under the influence of Jesus himself, they walk in obedience, they come up with these full nets, this great catch, and Jesus gives them that gift. Then they come and they bring that to shore to find out that Jesus didn't need their fish, but he invites their fish. He had already made breakfast, he's serving them breakfast. They have this time and opportunity together. What we're seeing here, this is now a great time of fellowship with Jesus. Breakfast is one of those times, right? It's sweet, Early in the morning, first thing, there's something special about breakfast fellowship than any other. And that's what Jesus really, he's, he calls them to, he brings them to. This is the first thing in the morning. There's something to be said about meeting with Jesus in fellowship first thing in the morning. 
before the busyness of the day, before you get into work, before you go about all the things that you have to go about, before the kids wake up and take over your entire life, right? That's what happens in my house. But it's hard, isn't it? I'm not great at that. I don't like waking up early. I certainly don't like waking up before the kids because they get up early. It's hard, and you know what? We have to remember this. What happened before this is that they experienced a miraculous work of Jesus. And then from that, they walked in obedience. They walked in obedience and had this fellowship with Jesus and this experience with Jesus that led to greater closeness with Jesus. Now, does that mean, hey, we should wait for a miracle, and when we experience a miracle, then we'll have closeness? No, when we experience Jesus, and we fall under the influence of Jesus Christ, and we walk in obedience, then we'll have greater fellowship. We'll have closeness with Jesus. They experience the fruit of the work of God rather than the emptiness of their flesh. Walking in obedience and walking under the influence of Jesus rather than walking under the influence of our own flesh and our own strength brings us closer to Jesus. It makes for great fellowship. And so Jesus says to him, Simon, son of Jonah. He has said this before. In John chapter one, you don't have to turn there. It goes all the way back to the beginning of our study in the gospel of John. John chapter one, verse 42 says this, and he brought him, his brother Andrew brought him, Peter, to Jesus. And now when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Now when we studied that back in John chapter one, we talked about what Jesus was going to do. Jesus is in the ministry of transformation. He's all about changing lives, and that's what he was going to do in Peter's life. And now we're seeing, okay, Peter, he's been walking with Jesus. He has been in fellowship with Jesus. He left everything to follow Jesus, but then he denied Jesus and ran away. So now there's a restoration to fellowship that we saw take place in our study last week. But now there's something more that's going to take place. And Jesus is setting the stage for it right here and now. Simon, son of Jonah. Remember I told you you would not be Simon, son of Jonah, but you shall be Cephas? He's not Cephas yet. But Jesus right here and now is making it happen. He's at work to show him you're going to be Cephas. And you're called to be Cephas. And that is, as it says, translated a stone, a rock, a solid man of God. Prior to this, was he a solid man? No. Was he a rock? Was he that somebody could look to Peter and say, man, he's solid. Look, he stood right there while Jesus was being crucified like John. No, not yet. He said that he would fight for Jesus. He said that he would die for Jesus, yet he denied and he ran. But Jesus is working it out right here. He's bringing restoration to Peter's life. Restoration is important for Peter. It wasn't so much for Jesus, like this is what you need to do to be restored, Peter. 
but it was helping Peter see that he could become Cephas. Helping Peter know that the work of God would lead him to this calling. And so Jesus says, do you love me? Do you love me more than these? And some commentators have mentioned that Jesus perhaps is referring to fish and the life of being a fisherman. Peter, do you love me more than these fish? Do you love me more than the life of a fisherman? And it's a nice thought, but more realistically, the translation would indicate that Jesus is speaking of the disciples. They are together. He is with his brethren. Peter is with his brethren, and he says, do you love me more than these? And not even to say, do you love me more than you love your brethren? But do you love me more than they love me? And what Jesus is asking Peter is, Peter, evaluate your love for me. It's time for a self-evaluation. What do you think? Where are you at? You tell me what's going on. This is a valuable thing. This is a valuable thing for each one of us. You know, sometimes we have these grand plans and grand thoughts of, hey, I am called to ministry. Full-time ministry, I'm all in. Or I've got this vision. I'm going to be a missionary. Or I'm going to do uh, this great work. And it's, Hold on, let's take a moment. Where are you and Jesus at? Do you love him? Where's your relationship at with Jesus? Where's your dedication to Jesus? Or are you dedicated to the idea of this great work for God? Do you love him? It's a valuable thing for us to evaluate ourselves as Jesus called Peter to a self-evaluation. How does your love compare? Now, within the body of Christ, there's sometimes a healthy competition, right? Man, look at how much that person loves Jesus. I gotta keep up. I've gotta love Jesus more than they love Jesus. That's a valuable thing. And Jesus is asking him, how is your love for me? Peter, who previously said, I will fight for you and die for you. And Jesus just says, where are you at, man? Asking Peter what he thought of his own dedication to Jesus. So ask yourself today, where are you at? Maybe you might have these ideas, man, I'm going to do great things for the kingdom. I've got great plans. I am called to ministry. I'm going to be a missionary or whatever it may be. Ask yourself the question first, where are you and Jesus at? Do you love him? And would it be said of you that you love Jesus, that you are dedicated to him? That's the definition of love that Jesus is calling him to, is a commitment and dedication. As he says he, again, a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Now, Jesus asked two times. Now you, I would, why are you asking me this again, right? That's what we would think. First, the question was a question of self-evaluation. The second is a repetitive challenge for Peter to express his love. An opportunity. Peter, do you love me? And now we get into a little bit of the word study here. 
There's two different words. There's several different words in the Greek for love. We read it in our English Bible, and it says love, and, and then it says love again. And he said, yes, I love you, and do you love me? Yes, I love you. What, what's going on here? In the Greek, there's several different words for the word love, and here we're seeing two different words for love. And the word that Jesus is using is agape. Agape love is a love of commitment, dedication, and that's what Jesus is calling him to. This is the love, this, the love that God has for us is the agape love. And he calls us into that fellowship and that dedication. And that's the love that he's asking Peter for. But Peter offered, and the word here is phileo. It's a brotherly love. Nothing wrong with that love, but it's not agape love. It's not a love of commitment and dedication. It's not a love of being all in in the relationship. It is a love of fellowship. And that's a valuable thing, but that's not what Jesus was calling for. Peter, perhaps, though, as Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me more than these? Is the question of a self-evaluation. And Peter giving an answer to that self-evaluation and saying, well, I phileo you. Peter, maybe even in that, is admitting, I don't understand agape love. He's looking at his life. He's looking at the fruit of his life and thinking, if you ask me, no, I don't agape, I phileo. It's perhaps an honest evaluation. Even thinking that phileo is all that I have to give. But Jesus, however, is calling Peter to go deeper. And some claim even that there is no significance to the different uses of the words for love. To me, it seems like there is. Because without doubt, Jesus and Peter were not on the same page in this conversation. And that comes back to Peter. Because Jesus had the starting point. They had the starting point of fellowship, first of all. Nearness, closeness. And within that closeness, in that fellowship with Jesus, Jesus asks him a question. Do you agape me? I don't think I do. I'm not sure if I do at least, I phileo. That he could say with confidence. They were not on the same page here, but the emphasis is that there is a personal commitment and devotion that Jesus is calling Peter to. This is the restoration of fellowship, the restoration of relationship. And that's what Jesus calls Peter to. That's what Jesus calls us to. A personal commitment and devotion. Not just riding a wave of emotion based on an experience we had with Jesus or with church or with religion. There's so many waves of emotion that we can go through in life. I mean, how many of you guys watch football, the playoffs, right? There's waves of emotion in one single literal moment in last week's football games, right? Literally within two minutes, it was this team's in the lead. Nope, now this team's in the lead. Now this team's in the lead. Now they're tied. Now this team won. 
Two minutes, it's over. The waves of emotion, if you're a Bills fan or you're a Chiefs fan, you're like, yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah, no. Right? I mean, it's just back and forth constantly. And this is our lives. We go through the moments, we're like, yeah, Jesus, I love you. Oh, Jesus, everything's miserable. And we do it again and again and back up and down, up and down. And there's the wave of emotion and what Jesus is calling us to is not waves of emotion, of experience. Oh, I experienced Jesus at church on Sunday. It's wonderful. And then Monday's the worst day of our lives and we're like not even saved and we're going through all the, I mean, is our relationship with Jesus based on emotion? No. Because the, the emotion of love is going to just go through the waves. But the commitment of love, that's what Jesus calls us to. And so Jesus says, feed my lambs and tend my sheep. This is the challenge for Peter after, hey, I wanna know, I want you to be dedicated. I want you to understand your own commitment and dedication and love for me in fellowship. And this restoration that's taking place is for a purpose, and here's the purpose. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep. Now think about what this is. This is who's gonna take care of sheep? The shepherds. So first he says, I want you to feed my lambs. The lambs are the little ones, the young ones. And the feeding that takes place is the teaching and the preaching, that of a shepherd. Peter is called to pastoral ministry. And that's what Jesus is laying out for him. If you love me and you are dedicated to me, Peter, you can see this. You can understand out of that dedication, I can do great things and I'm calling you to go deeper. I'm calling you not only to go deeper in your relationship, I'm calling you to pastoral ministry of shepherding the flock, and that starts with feeding my lambs. The ministry, and this is a more broad and general picture of teaching and preaching. Feeding. But a shepherd doesn't just feed, does it? Tend my sheep. Take care of the sheep. That's a little bit more involved. Sheep are dirty and nasty and disgusting and dumb, and there's all these things that have to, a shepherd has to do. Bathe them, feed them. He already told them, feed them, but you gotta bathe them, you gotta lead them, you gotta herd them, you gotta protect them, and these are the things that Jesus is calling Peter to. Peter is gonna be the first pastor of the early church. And Jesus looked at him, John chapter 1, verse 42, said, Simon, son of Jonah, you are Simon. You shall be Cephas. You're going to be a pastor. Right now, man, you're all over the place, but you're going to be a pastor. Then Peter proved that he was all over the place when he denied Jesus and he ran away. And Jesus here doubles down and says, remember I told you you're going to be Cephas. Now I'm going to show you what that looks like. I'm going to double down on that statement. I'm going to help you understand. I want you to shepherd my flock. To minister to the body through the hard work and investment. 
Shepherding, pastoring, it is, it's not an easy thing, I'll tell you. It's not all fun and games, right, Mark? (laughs) Especially when it comes to snow removal. We have, we, we, we say sometimes, you know, when you have a lot of sheep, you have a, lot, have a lot of sheep poop. And our job as pastors intending is cleaning up the sheep poop. So when somebody's ordained, we give them a pooper scooper. We say, congratulations, you're in the ministry. I'm kidding. I'm not kidding. We, we do say, hey, there's a lot of things. It's not all fun and games. It's all, there's a lot of messy stuff to deal with. And it's wonderful to, to see lives transformed and people walk with Jesus. And as we minister to people and disciple people and there's response, but sometimes there's messy things that go on. There's hurt and pain and suffering. You go through that as well. And you herd, you shepherd, and you lead people And help people and walk with people through all those things. Peter's called to that. And Jesus is making that clear. Jesus is restoring him. And Jesus is preparing him. Before this, as I said before, Jesus was more so restoring the relationship. And now he's bringing a clarity to the calling of ministry and restoring him to ministry. Later on now, Peter would write these words. I believe as he wrote these words, he had this encounter with Jesus in mind. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 to 4, it says this, The elders who are among you I exhort, I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Peter would finally get it perspective. As Jesus told him he would be a shepherd, he then understands. Shepherd the flock, and here's what it looks like. And it's all through, it's all for the glory of Christ and through the power of Christ. That's what he would realize, and that's what's happening here in this encounter. As Peter is with Jesus, it's Jesus demonstrating to him, uh, Peter, I'm going to do the work. In verse 17, we continue. He said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. The third time is the charm, right? He asks him again, do you love me? The two other times were in the presence of the disciples publicly calling Peter to ministry. And this time it is indicated that Jesus pulled Peter aside and had this one-on-one moment and opportunity with him. Jesus needs to do that sometimes. Some of that alone time 
that one-on-one time to take us aside, do we give him that? That he could make clear the calling on our lives. Do we give him that opportunity to just get away and take us aside and just have a moment, have time with you and Jesus so that you could have more clarity and understanding on what his vision is for your life, not your vision for your life. Left on our own, in our own strength, what do we do? We toil through the night and we come up empty. But under the influence of Jesus, we allow him to take us aside And as he takes us aside, he speaks truth to us and gives us a greater understanding of the vision that he has for our lives. And we can then walk in that obedience. Jesus asks Peter again, a third time, to continue the work of restoration. Restoration is a process. So it may need this three times over. And sometimes restoration requires a a repetition so we can be reminded too. You know, if you're called to something, you need to be reminded of it because there is so much doubt and the enemy wants you very much so to forsake the calling on your life. If God has called you to something, the enemy wants you to not do it. So what happens? There's little doubts. There's little things that we're, I know, I, 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 don't, I can't do it. It's too hard. It's too complicated. There's too many obstacles in the way. But we need to be reminded. Feed the sheep. Do the work that he's called you to. And remember that it's him who's doing the calling. But this time was different. This is the third time now, and it was a little bit different than the other two. Jesus took Peter aside for personal investment. I, I love the picture here that Jesus is actually shepherding Peter as he took him aside for this personal investment. That's a shepherding thing. He, he literally is ushering him in a sense and having a one-on-one conversation. It's necessary for that, you know, the shepherding, but he's, he's giving a great example to Peter of this is shepherding. I don't know, we have a dog, and I don't know if it's a herding dog, what his breed, if it's herding or not, but he herds us. He's not, you know, he's a dog, so he's not super smart, obviously, but sometimes I'm like, he's really smart. He'll literally come and he'll circle around us sometimes and like usher us over to the food area. And you're like, okay, there's food in the bowl, there's water in the dish, what more do you want? And he'll like shake his head and like point with his nose, like, no, no, not that, a bone or a treat. And you start going through and then he's like, yeah, that's it. Or he'll usher us over, he'll go to the sink and he'll point at the sink, like, hey, turn the water on and fill the dish. What's the matter with you? But you know, there's, there's different breeds of dogs that do that. They're herding and they're always trying to circle around and usher you into, over here, over here, come on, this is what I want from you. That's the idea of shepherding. And Jesus bringing Peter along, over here, come on, come on, Peter. Let's have a moment. Personal investment, opportunity to understand the vision that God has for your life. 
It says then that Peter was grieved. It doesn't say Peter was frustrated. You might get frustrated when somebody keeps repeating. You're like, why are you saying this? But Peter was grieved. Because one, perhaps Jesus had to make it so plain for him, simplify things a bit for him. Because what's happening here is that Jesus adapted to Peter's terminology. The word that Jesus uses for love here is phileo. So Peter could better understand. And sometimes we just need it made plain. You know what? Peter would get there. And Jesus knew that Peter was going to get there. And right now, he says, Peter, let's talk on the same level. But he calls him these three times. And remember I said in the beginning, remember the fact that Peter denied Jesus three times. And even in this, it says Peter was grieved because he said a third time. I believe it was a bitter reminder for Peter the three times that he denied Jesus. Jesus, in a sense, is calling Peter to a triple confession of faith. To overcome the triple denial that took place previously. And again, this is not for Jesus. Jesus isn't demanding this of Peter, like, Peter, you owe me big time here, buddy. But for Peter, Peter, you denied me three times, I'm gonna give you opportunity to confess your faith three times. I'm gonna give you opportunity to to confess your dedication and love for me three times to overcome those three times that you denied me. And so Peter then responding, saying, you know all things. You know that I love you. This is a confession here from Peter, first of all, who Jesus is. He says, you know all things. This is a recognition of the deity of Christ because only God is omniscient. Only God is all-knowing, and he says, you know all things. So Peter is recognizing, first of all, that Jesus is fully God because he says, you know all things. Second of all, it's a confession that Jesus knows Peter better than Peter knows himself, which is different than the previous Peter. We see a little bit of humility in Peter now. Before, when Jesus said something, he says, not so, Lord. I will not deny you. He rebuked Jesus. But now he's making a confession, say, you know all things. You know that I love you. You know me better than I know myself. This time was humility. Also, it's a recognition of what was needed to move forward in ministry. It was love. You know that I love you. He's saying, you know, I know now that love is essential for restoration and love is essential for ministry. Jesus didn't call Peter to a big apology. Like we're so good at, right? Somebody does something wrong to us, what do we do? You owe me big time. My kids are so good at it. 
I hear them arguing all the time over the dumbest things constantly. And somebody does something wrong to them. And they, oh, they broke a toy. And now I get to break your toy. Are you kidding? No, that's not the way things work. My boys especially, they just go at it. Oh, that's not, you broke that. I'm going to break yours now. No, we're not doing that. And Jesus didn't say to Peter, Peter, you denied me three times. Well, three times then, you know what you're going to have to do? All he called him to was humility and love. And then he says again, feed my sheep, which is the same challenge, but this time is, again, it's a private conversation. So Jesus was bringing Peter into focus on the mission and the call on his life. Bringing Peter personally to this focus on pastoral ministry. Peter, this is what's going to happen. But then it goes on in verse 18. Now Jesus is going to give him a picture of what's beyond the pastoral ministry. And it's not great news in an earthly standard, right? But listen, most assuredly, verse 18. I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands. And another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Now, we've, got, we've established this before throughout our study in the Gospel of John. When it says most assuredly means verily, verily. It is a massive attention getter. Pay attention. Jesus is spending this time with Peter. It is intentional time with Peter. And now he says, Peter, listen up. This is important. What I'm about to say, you better listen to. You don't want to miss this part. Why? Because he's about to tell him how he's going to die. Now imagine the calling here. This is, there's some amazing things. First of all, Jesus called Peter in the first place, and very similar to this circumstance. It was surrounded by you know, a story about fishing and Jesus performing a miracle, and he calls him Simon, son of Jonah. You are Simon, you shall be Cephas. And he says, follow me. And Jesus will say here too, follow me. It's very similar, but this time is very different because of one thing, Jesus had risen from the dead. That changed everything. And so now here, he's about to tell him, beyond the excitement of man, ministry, Peter, you're called to pastoral ministry, it's gonna be great. Also, you're gonna die. You're gonna die in pursuit of that very calling. You're gonna die a martyr's death, meaning you're going to die for my sake, is what Jesus is telling him. And so now he's like, Pay attention. This is an important part of the story, Peter. Because Jesus makes clear the vision and final calling. And you know, Peter would gain such amazing perspective as he writes, and we already referenced 1 Peter, and, and he writes in 1 and 2 Peter is all about the eternal perspective that we are pilgrims sojourners passing through this life, but we're living for eternity. You see, Peter would gain that perspective here because that's what Jesus is pointing him to. Ultimately, Peter, your calling, yes, is to be a pastor, a shepherd, but Peter, more than that, your calling is to live for eternity. And here's what the picture of your eternity looks like. When you were younger, he reminds him of the days that he was carefree 
a bit of a free spirit. The idea that when you were younger, you have less responsibilities. You could do what you want. You had strength to go where you want and, and to do what you want. When you want it, you have freedom, Peter. But now, and there's an in-between here that is this whole thing leading up to this. Jesus has given him the picture of now what's going to happen. Ministry. He, Peter now is a middle-aged man. He's, he, things were different. There would be more responsibility, more expectation, a greater calling that has been laid out to him to shepherd the flock of God. And he would be under the restraint of the Holy Spirit. But now, when you are old, he will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. He's saying, but now the time is coming. Here's your future, Peter. You will stretch out your hand. Even in a sense as an old man would stretch out for help, for assistance to say, help me out. And yet in that you will be bound and carried away by another taken to a place where you do not wish to go. Speaking of his death, a cross was to be Peter's death with his hands that would be stretched out to be crucified. And verse 19 then clarifies to say this he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. A clarification here so that Peter knows, so that we would know this is the death. It's through crucifixion. This is the type of death that Peter would die. But Peter requested to be hung upside down. And so Peter was crucified upside down as he claimed he was not worthy to be crucified in the same posture of his Savior. You see, Peter facing down the cross of Christ, he denied Jesus three times. Now, restored and proclaiming his love for Christ three times, Peter would face down his own cross and die in such humble and faithful dedication to Jesus. And this glorifies God. This is what glorifies God. That Peter would be obedient to death. It glorifies God because Peter's life, his ministry, and his calling glorified God. And so would his death. If you glorify God in life, then you will glorify God in death. Psalm 116 verse 15 says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. And there's only one way that that's possible. What did I say before? Everything was different now because Jesus had risen from the dead. So this calling on Peter's life was different than the calling for Jesus to say to, say to Peter, follow me. Now follow me meant something different. And he says that. After this, he said to him, follow me. What does that mean? He already followed Jesus, physically followed Jesus for three and a half years. And Jesus says it again. The same words that he used to call Peter in the first place, but it's different now because Jesus 
had risen from the dead. This is after the resurrection, and the resurrection changed everything. And we remember that still today. The resurrection changes everything, guys. This time, follow me, man. Literally, mimic me in death. The crucifixion. Mimic me in ministry. The shepherding. And it also meant, Peter, keep following me. Don't think that you've gone too far. Don't think that you have failed so miserably in your denial. This is the restoration, Peter. Keep following me. Don't throw in the towel. Don't go back to your fisherman ways. Be a fisher of men. Don't follow me like before, but follow like this. And I believe Paul sums it up very well and gives us great perspective, and I believe this is the perspective that Peter would need to be sustained in ministry. And we'll close with this. You can turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 55, it says this, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Paul writes these words with great perspective of eternity. And that's what it took for Peter to have perspective, eternity. And with eternity on our mind, on our heart, we can say in confidence, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Thanks be to God who gives us victory. And it's through Christ Jesus. And so then we, as Peter, as Paul, as the brethren, as Paul challenges the brethren, says, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing your labor is not in vain. What's different? Jesus is risen from the dead. And it's the same today. So we can proceed with confidence in our fellowship with Jesus. We can proceed with confidence in the calling that he has for our lives because Jesus is alive. That's the springboard for the church. Jesus is alive. Everything was different now. Peter is restored. Peter is called. Peter is empowered because Jesus had risen from the dead. And the same goes for us. We can be restored. No matter what we've done, we can be restored right here and now. No matter what you've done, you think, man, I'm so bad. I'm so messed up. It's okay. Come to Jesus. You can be restored. 
You can walk in the calling that he has for your life. You can be empowered to be able to say, I will be steadfast and movable, abounding in the work of the Lord because Jesus is alive. Amen? Let's pray. We thank you, Jesus, that you are alive, that we can walk in victory and confidence because you're alive. We can have fellowship with you because you're alive. And so we ask here and now that you would work in our hearts and draw us closer to you. I pray for anyone in this room or who's watching online who does not yet have a relationship with you. Lord, would you draw them right now? Help them to understand that you love them, you died for them, you rose from the dead to give that victory. And so if you don't, if you're that place and you have not yet entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, you've not invited him into your life to be your Lord, I want to give you an opportunity right now to make a confession. As Peter confessed his dedication, would you make a confession to say, I love you. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are the Son of God. You died on the cross for my sins. And you rose from the dead. You can make that simple confession. Say those words as a prayer from your heart. I believe in you that you're the Son of God. That you died on the cross for my sin and you rose from the dead, I give my life to you. Would you come in? Would you be my Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if you prayed that prayer today and you invited Jesus into your life today, we would love a few moments with you after service. So would you stop by our prayer room, which is out these doors on the left? Somebody wants to meet with you for a few minutes and pray with you and encourage you and help you get started in your walk with the Lord.